grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our texts this evening will be taken from the reading both in 1 John and St. Matthew. You may be seated. We begin tonight with a word of prayer. Merciful Father, we give you thanks tonight, O Lord, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to take on our flesh that he might take on our sin and die in our place. Lord, as we celebrate tonight, we pray that your mercy would change us. Lord, that you would send us from here full of love and joy for what Christ has done for us. We thank you, O Lord, for your love expressed to us in Jesus. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas. Once again, we are thrilled that you are with us here tonight to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift God has ever given to this world. Now, I want to start tonight by telling you a little story about a friend of our family's who has a very difficult time uh, with the Christmas holiday. She has a very hard time waiting to open her presents. In fact, when she was first married, this is a, this is a grown-up person, by the way, uh, when she was first married, she told her husband, do not put the presents wrapped underneath the tree, because I will open them to see what they are, and then rewrap them and put them back. Uh, he didn't believe her, she did it. So the next year he decided what I'll do is I'll hide the presents up in the attic and she won't go looking for them there, but he was wrong. She did, and she found them. And so the next year he had to find a new place to hide the presents. So he got real sneaky and they, they had a boat, and so he decided to hide the presents in the boat underneath the tarp, thinking she would never look there. She did, but she decided this year she wasn't going to tell him that she would let him have this one and make him feel good like maybe he actually had pulled this off except that he started bragging about it. He started boasting to her, I got you, I finally beat you, you'll never find those presents, I have finally won. And she couldn't take it anymore, and she said, I found them. He said, you did not. She said, where are they? They're on the boat under the tarp. So now, he doesn't purchase presents until Christmas Eve. Uh, he will not go Christmas shopping until Christmas Eve. You see, Christmas Eve for him is the time to get the gifts. But I get it, because I can't wait to open my presents. I know, I'm like almost 40, I'm like excited, uh, like a child about Christmas, but I love opening presents. And you know what it's like if you still have that like childlike feeling inside of you, you know what it's like to be sitting through this service, and it is the longest service in the entire year because you just want to get home so you can either open your presents or pretend like you're sleeping so you can open the presents the next day. You cannot wait to see what you're going to get. You cannot wait to see what somebody has purchased for you. And now you might be a little worried. You might not be uh, the best kid in the room tonight, and you may be a little anxious about things. You're not sure if you're getting a present or if Santa's going to bring you a lump of coal, so the anxiety might be a little high for you. Now, i got to be honest, I do anticipate getting presents, but I'm getting to a different point in my life now where I'm not so nervous about what I'm going to get, but about what I'm giving. I don't know if you know what this is like, but I'm worried that the presents I'm giving aren't going to be sort of good enough. Like, what if they open the present and it lets them down? What if they're disappointed? What if they're angry over what I got them? What if I get them something unexpected and completely unwanted? Kind of like that commercial that came out after Thanksgiving. I'm sure you all heard of something about this, about the husband who bought his wife a Peloton exercise bike. 
Now, if she didn't ask for the exercise bike, guys, and you were just sitting at dinner one night and you looked at your wife and you thought, you know, she could use an exercise bike. <laughs> you have a couple hours left before Target closes, okay? You can get home and exchange the gift. That might be a present that is both unexpected and unwanted. Now, if we're talking about unexpected and unwanted presents tonight, of course we want to think about our dear friend Joseph from the reading in the Gospel of Matthew this evening. Joseph, right around that first Christmas, also received a present that was highly unexpected and certainly unwanted when his fiancée showed up from a little vacation she went on pregnant. Joseph was at a point in his life where he thought he had everything figured out. At least what we can tell from the text, it seems as though Joseph had his life put together. He had his ideal life lined up. He had a wonderful fiance in Mary. And he was in this time with Mary where they were betrothed to one another. Now the way the betrothal period worked back in uh, those days is that you would get engaged for about a year. And you would be apart from each other for that year while the husband-to-be would go off and he would prepare a place for his bride. He would prepare a home for her. And once the place was finally prepared, he would come home to get her. And then they would have a great big wedding celebration. And then he would take her home uh, to be with him happily ever after. Now Joseph was preparing for the happily ever after. Because Joseph had found something special in this world. He had found love with Mary. He had found somebody he was going to spend his life with. He had finally found what he was looking for. Until she shows up pregnant. And you thought the exercise bike was unwanted. Joseph, his life was ruined, as far as he could tell. This is not what he was looking for. He was looking for a normal easy, happy, loving relationship with his bride-to-be. And now his dreams were shattered because now before him was what he thought was an unfaithful fiancé. So Joseph has a decision to make now. And he decides at this point that he is going to divorce her quietly. He's going to leave her uh, to raise this child uh, probably uh, by herself or with her family or something like this. Now, in our day and age, we hear that, and it sounds just like a terrible, uh, heartless move to make, but you need to understand the culture was very different back then. And Joseph could have either done that, or he could have, according to the law, and it was a harsh law, he could have had her brought out into the streets uh, and stoned to death. So the idea that he's going to divorce her quietly is actually the kinder decision. He decides to, take, to make that move. He's not going to make a scene with Mary. He's going to keep his reputation in all of this, and he's going to let Mary go free. His, his world is shattered. He has lost love, and now he's going to let Mary go. And that's a hard thing to have to decide because Joseph had love. He'd found it. He'd found love, and now it was gone. And it's hard to lose love. Love is a hard thing to come by in this world. And I'm not just talking about romantic love or marital love or something like this. Love just in general is hard to come by in this world. Because we live in a day and age that is remarkably unloving. And I know we talk a big game in our world right now about just how loving we are, right? 
We're a very tolerant culture. We welcome everybody to the table. Everybody has their say, and we're very wide open and and welcoming in all of this. We love everyone. That's what we like to say. But the reality is, is that we have something else called Twitter. And it's the opposite of love. We do not live in a world that is full of love. We like to consider ourselves very kind and very loving people, but as soon as somebody says something that offends us, as soon as somebody says something that is off-putting to us, look out. We turn our wrath and our judgment on them. You think I'm wrong about this? You think I'm making this up just to prove a point? Then I have a challenge for you. If you really think that you live in a wonderfully kind and loving world and all this, I have a challenge, a dare, a double dare, a double dog dare uh, for you tonight. When you're sitting with your family tomorrow over a nice Christmas meal, everyone's open presents, you're enjoying a nice conversation, I dare you to just with no context and just out of the blue say, impeachment, and then watch the love just be sucked out of the room. (laughs) I'm glad you laughed. I didn't know how that one was going to go over. Uh, just watch the love get sucked out of the room at that point. Because we do not live in a loving age. We live in an age marked by hurt and shame and shaming of others and bitterness and sort of, uh, we're sort of very thin-skinned and proud. All of us are this way, I'm afraid. It's just the nature of our culture. We live in an age not marked by love, but frankly, by selfishness and sin. And you know this, and I know this, because we live in this. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're all partially responsible for it. And I think the reason that we have such a hard time with all of this is because we're kind of like Joseph. Joseph had this ideal life set up for himself, and then there was a big monkey wrench thrown into it, and it kind of ruined everything. We have this ideal life set up for ourselves. We have this ideal picture of how our world should look and how the whole world should look. And we live our lives pursuing that ideal. The problem is there's other people in this world. We're kind of like, if you've ever seen the movie uh, National Lapoon's Christmas Vacation, if you haven't, what have you been doing uh, this time of year? Uh, But there's this this character in that movie called Clark Griswold, and I think we're all kind of like Clark Griswold, where we have this perfect picture, you know, he has this perfect picture of what Christmas should be like. He'll have the whole family there, and it will be perfect, and they'll have a big feast, and they'll celebrate, and they'll sing, and they'll have perfect lights on the house, and he'll get a big uh, Christmas bonus. And it's all wonderful, and he has this great ideal, and it's perfect until other people show up, until the family gets there. And then chaos ensues. And as much as he would like to blame the rest of the family, the reality is he doesn't even take his own incompetency into account. This is the world we live in right now, our own world where we have this ideal, this perfect picture of what the world should be. The problem is there are other people around us, and they have different ideals, and they have different views, and they vote differently, and they think differently, and they act differently, and they speak differently, and a lot of those differences get in the way of our perfect picture. The hardest part is that those people are people God calls our neighbors, and he calls us to love them. And we don't have too hard of a time loving them, so long as they do what we want, but once they don't, We get angry. And when they do something that offends us or hurts us or pains us, we want vengeance. We want retribution. We want to take them and we want to put them in their place. Scriptures tell us love is patient and love is kind. But here in 2019, I'm afraid Americans are not. 
So the question is, if this is the case, where in the world are we going to find love? If we can't find love in this culture, and we cannot even find love inside of ourselves, where are we going to find it? And we we have to be honest about that. We are not going to find love inside of ourselves. I mean, that's what we're told. If you want to find love, look deep down inside in your heart, and you'll find love there. But you guys, the reality is, that's where the problem starts. Because our sinfulness has caused our loves to be distorted and our affections to be misguided. I mean, even look at Joseph tonight in our reading. Joseph, you know, he does sort of the kind thing for Mary. He does the right thing for Mary. But I'm not sure I would say that even Joseph is doing the loving thing for Mary. Because in divorcing her, he's not loving her. What would the loving thing for Joseph, uh, what would the loving thing to, what would the loving thing be for Joseph to do? That was a really hard sentence. The loving thing for Joseph would be for him to sacrifice his reputation. If he were to stick with Mary, he would lose his reputation. To sacrifice his reputation, to sacrifice everything he knows, to take Mary into his house, to continue to marry her, to make her his wife, and then to raise this child as if it were his own. This is the loving thing for Joseph to do. But that's not his initial move. I mean, for Joseph to be that loving, for that kind of an act of love from Joseph, well, that would take, you know, a miracle to happen. But now, of course, this is Christmas Eve. And as we know, Christmas Eve is the time when we finally go to get the gifts. And so tonight we get the gift of just that. A miracle. A miracle that changes Joseph. After all, miracles are what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And not just miracles in general, but one specific miracle. One actual miracle that took place in this world. One particular miracle that was found not in the heart of Joseph and not in the heart of any of us. No, but was found in the heart of God. A miracle that was not found in Joseph, but that was carried out for Joseph and for you. And that is the miracle of God's love for this broken, sinful world. The miracle of God's love for sinners like you and me. If God is going to go looking for love in this world, he is not going to have a lot of luck. But that doesn't stop God from pouring out his love for the sake of this world. Jesus, we celebrate his birth tonight, but when he grows up, he becomes this this marvelous teacher who has a number of disciples who follow him. One of those disciples is a guy by the name of John, and John wrote a number of the books for us in the New Testament. John describes love this way. He says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a big, wonderful, Christmassy kind of word. It's a word that simply means a sacrifice that pays for the sins. God sent his son to be a sacrifice that paid for the sins of the world, for your sins and my sins. Our sins of lovelessness towards each other and our sins of lovelessness toward God. God did not find love in this world, so he had to create it. He didn't wait for love to come seek him out and show up on his door. No, God knew the chances he had with sinners, so he instead gave love. 
he sent his son into this world to be born of a virgin that he might live for us and save us and rescue us from this loveless veil of tears. God has come to us in Christ Jesus to love us. And how wonderfully and mysteriously and strangely he does this by coming in the flesh of a baby born of a virgin. Now that virgin's name was Mary. And if you're following along here, it is that Mary who was the fiancé of Joseph. And what we find here is that not only had Mary not been unfaithful to Joseph, Mary had proven to be perhaps the most faithful person to have ever lived. Because an angel appeared to her once, and perhaps you've heard this account before, an angel appeared to Mary and told her that she would be with child and that this child would be from God, that in fact God would take up residence in her womb, and she would give birth to him, and he would be the savior of the world. Mary believed this message and received the gift of Jesus Christ. Now, Mary may have told this story to Joseph, and Joseph, you know, he may have not bought the whole virgin birth angel appearance story, at least initially. But when he went to sleep one night, another angel appeared to him in a dream and gave him some good news. That love had found him. That love came to him. And that love was in the womb of Mary. God is love, and God was in Mary's womb. So the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew, the author of this account, Matthew, another guy who is a follower of Jesus, Matthew tells us that this Jesus who was born to Mary is the fulfillment of a promise from a long time ago and that his name was not just Jesus, but he should also be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. For God, who is love, is with us in Jesus Christ. Why? Well, the angel said it. To save his people from their sins. You see, this is where we find love, or perhaps better said, this is how love finds us. When God sends to us Jesus Christ to be a sacrifice who will save us, who will save you and me from our sins. And just notice how very different this sort of love is from every other kind of love or way of thinking in this world. In our world, we don't think necessarily according to love, but we think in the category of success. We always want to be the best, and we want to do better and be more, and we don't want anybody else to stand in our way. We want to sit in glory, and yet where do we find love? In Jesus Christ, who is in an obscure manger in an obscure Jewish town, taking his first nap in the feeding trough of, of a donkey. We, we live in this world where if somebody hurts us, if somebody harms us, we want justice, we want retribution, we want them to suffer for what they have done to us. We want to put them in their place. But God, who we have sinned against, who we have cursed with our lives, who we have turned our back on, he does deal in terms of justice. He does deal in terms of punishment. But the difference here, of course, is that he doesn't put you in your place for the sins you've committed against him. 
Jesus puts himself in your place. When he goes to that cross to die as that propitiation, as that sacrifice who pays for your sins with his blood. God is love and is found in Jesus Christ who has come to bleed and die for you. He has come to forgive you for your sins. And this changes everything. This changes everything everything we know about this world this changes everything we know about love it changed everything for joseph because upon realizing this not only upon realizing i should say that joseph uh, let me start that all over there's a lot of talking i'm doing tonight um when joseph realizes this he now realizes that not only has mary not been unfaithful to him but that in mary's womb love has actually found him God loved Joseph so much that he sent Jesus to Joseph to be his Savior. And this changes everything for Joseph, how he lives, how he loves, and how he acts towards Mary. St. John will explain this very well to us when he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Because of what God had told and done for Joseph, Joseph is given a new heart and takes Mary now as his wife. He sacrifices his life, he sacrifices his reputation, and he takes Mary into his home, and he loves her, and he cares for her, and he raises the Son of God, regardless of what the culture will do to him. And this happens because love found Joseph. Beloved, I pray the same love would find you and have the same change for you. For God is love. And tonight there is good news that in this word, God has found you. And he has sent Jesus to die for you. If you are looking for love in this loveless world, you need look no further than that manger where God chose to be born in the flesh for you. If you are looking for love, you need to look no further than the cross where Jesus Christ gives up his life for you and pays for all of your sins so that you are forgiven for his sake. If you are looking for love, you can look in the tomb where they laid him after he died, but you won't find him there because he is risen from the dead and now he rules and reigns over, this, all, of, over all of this creation in love and mercy for you. If you are looking for love, you need look no further than I am here to proclaim to you tonight from Jesus Christ himself. Emmanuel is God with you, who has come to find you and to forgive you for all of your sins. In this is love, that Jesus Christ has found you, and you are now forgiven. Merry Christmas. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful Father, we give you thanks for your word of forgiveness to us. We pray that your love would shape our love, O Lord, so that we would be a people marked by mercy, love, kindness, and forgiveness. Grant us this grace, O Lord, and we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his name we pray, amen.